0: Let go. Let's go. It says this: The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful and we're thankful for this moment to gather around your word. Father, we pray over these next few moments, God, that you open up our eyes and allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. Open up our ears, allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. Lord, we're not here for an opinion. We're here for the Word of God. We're not here for a TED Talk, God. We're here for the transformative power of your Word. And so, Father, we're open. Speak to us. Lead us and guide us. And we say this, Lord, speak, Lord, because we're your servants and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Family, um, I've been chilling in my 30s, you know, for some years now. You can figure out what that means. Um. But there's a part of me uh, that, that, you know, no matter if it's 39 or 31, it's going to be like I'm chilling in my 30s. It still starts with a three. And, um, but there's a part of me that still feels like a kid. Now, I didn't say childish. Katie may say, yeah, childish. But I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, I act, act like a kid. I just, I just still feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. And I don't know if, if it's because we, we have young kids and so uh, everything that you do, you know, is, is around what young kids do. And so that's kind of just where you are. You're still watching, you know, these kid shows are still on your TV and your activities are still things that little kids do. Or maybe, you know, it's just the fact that we kind of see ourselves uh, in our kids. Like, you know, when people say, oh, you'll see, you watch out because I'm telling you, you're going to see yourself in your kid. Listen, now, that, now having kids and, and, and they're young, like that's, that's really true. You know, and Titus and Zoe, they're, they're, they're one and the same. Like, there are some wild cards. You don't know what you're going to get, quite honestly. They may be chilled and sweet, or they just may tear this place up. You just, you really don't know. And I sit back and I look, I'm like, that's not really me. So. Katie, you got some explaining to do as a kid. And she would deny it until I spoke to her mother. And there it was confirmed. And that's Titus and Zoe. But Isaiah is, is definitely me. I cannot, I cannot deny it. Uh, there are definitely uh, some things that that we share outside of our good looks. Um, <laughs> there, there are some qualities that we share. There are some qualities that we share together. And um, one of them is this, you know, this propensity to always feel like we're right. That's my parents that loud on the front row. Uh, But to always feel like that, that we're right, that we just know it. And we'll be in conversations with Isaiah, and he'll say things like, oh, yeah, I already know. And it's like, but there's no way for you to already know that. Like like, like your mother and I didn't even know each other when that happened in history. You know? Oh yeah, I already know. As if and it's so confidently as if he was there. But he takes this "I already know" attitude. Like Katie and I were having a conversation one time, and I was telling her about something that happened uh, to me that I experienced when I was a kid, their age. And he's like, "Yeah, I already know." And I'm like, boy, get out of here. You don't already know because that happened when I was a kid. And I'm telling your mother this for the first time. But, again, if you know me, I can, you know, sometimes kind of have that attitude of, you know, I already know or I already know about this thing. So, again, I'm becoming. The Lord is working on me. I'm trying not to do that. And, you know, to kind of further illustrate this, I remember one time Katie and I were talking, having a discussion about something. And I remember, t- I remember telling her, like, listen, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I'm right. <laughs> but when you listen to that statement, nowhere in that statement did I say she's wrong. I didn't. Right? I just said that I'm right. So somewhere else in some other place, what she was saying could be right. But as in that moment, I was, I was right and am right, you know. <laughs> um. So I guess what I'm saying is that you see that Isaiah gets it honest is what I'm saying. Okay, but here's the plot twist. The reality is, family, a lot of us can be just like Isaiah and myself when it comes to Scripture. That we can easily find ourselves showing up on Sundays or opening up the Word. And as soon as a certain text is read, we kind of take this mindset, well, I already know. I already know where he's going today. I already know what he's saying today. It's going to be this, 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 and this. I already know. And here's the danger with that type of approach: is if we take that approach, family, we will miss the revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to us in the moment, what, what he wants to bring to us today. Because we got to understand this: while the Word of God doesn't change, it doesn't change. It doesn't change for culture. It doesn't change for ideas. It doesn't change for political pundits or anything else. The Word of God doesn't change, but yet it is still speaking to us today. So it doesn't change, but it's still speaking to us today. That's how it's a book that was written in antiquity, but speaks with specificity to our lives today because of what Hebrews 4.12 says. It says this, "'For the Word of God is alive and active.'" Sharper, there it is, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So the Word of God is alive. It's not changing. What he said is what he said. But yet the Word is alive and active, meaning no matter how many times you may have heard that text, no matter how many times you may have read that verse, There could be some revelation that the Holy Spirit is bringing to you. Now, let me say this. If you come with somebody like, yo, listen, I got something that no one in the history of life in the scriptures have ever seen. I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's wrong. (laughs) It's wrong. So you're not finding no new revelation today. We all speak it from the same book. But what it is is God is showing you a new way that is applying to your life. So it's already said what it said, but you're seeing a new way to apply it uh, to your life. So what I want to do is for us to take uh, the 23rd Psalm and just kind of go verse by verse here and simply just make some observations in the form of questions from the text to extract some truths that we can apply to our lives today. Are you guys up for that? I'm just going to jump right into it because they got that clock on me. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Get some support so we can really... (laughs) Here's the first observation. If you're taking notes, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Uh, You can take notes by downloading the TBC app uh, in Google Play or the Apple App Store. And uh, once you download it, click connect at the very bottom and right at the top, uh, you'll be able to follow along today. Uh, So even if I'm not able to get to everything today, you'll be able to go back and uh, check this out. So here's the first observation is this. Who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? You know, he says this. David says this, who wrote this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, you may be asking, well, why ask the question, who is our shepherd, when David is very clear here that the Lord is my shepherd? And while this is what David wrote, I think what David is reminding of of this truth is that while the Lord, he is reminding us that the Lord is our shepherd, I think some of us do not actually live with the Lord as our shepherd. Many of us are living with our 401K as our shepherd. Some of us are living with our career as our shepherd. Some of us are living with our friendships and network as our shepherd. Some of us are living with our ethnicity as our shepherd. Some of us are living with all these other things as our shepherd except the Lord. And, let me, and as I say, except the Lord, let me go a little bit deeper into that. David doesn't just say, A Lord. But he says, the Lord, because we have to understand that in those ancient times that many were polytheistic, meaning many gods. People served many gods. That's why Moses had to ask God for a name when the Lord says, listen, I'm sending you to the Egyptians to free my people. He was like, yo, I need a name because they're going to need to know. It's why God told the children of Israel that they should have no other gods before me. Because there were other gods that ancient Israelites worshipped, whether that was Asherah or Baal or any other idol. And now today, we may not call them Asherah, we may not call them Baal, but we do call them our 401 k we do call them our network. We do call it social media. We do try, call it trying to be an influencer. And now listen to me this morning because somebody would hear some of the things he said. Oh, he talked about my 401K and my, my network and my ethnicity and all that. And what's, oh, what's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that, right? So don't allow the enemy to work on you just because you heard that. And listen to what I'm saying. Nothing is wrong with those things. But remember... God said to not have any other gods before me, that the thing that has to be supreme in our lives is the Lord. There is a proper order of living. And so what David was saying is the Lord is my shepherd. Not anything else that I could become, not anything else that I could be, not anything else that I could have, but the Lord is my shepherd. That's why later in Matthew, we're told to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. First is not first as in order. First is first as in center, right? So when we make the Lord the center of our lives, everything else begins to flow from that place in the proper way. But first, we have to make the Lord our shepherd. Are you tracking with me? So don't go back and say, well, he's talking about this, and he said, I ain't say that. That's what you said, Right? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with those things. But the Lord says not to have no other gods before me. And I think one thing that would help us to know this truth in a deeper way is to understand this, that God is not his name, right? God is not his name. He has a name. In this song, uh, when it says the Lord, it's, it's Jehovah God, which is the covenant-making name of the God of Israel who we're talking about. And so the compound names of Jehovah in the Old Testament, are, Old Testament rather are actually reflected here in this psalm. So you get Jehovah Jireh. You'll see this in this psalm, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Tiskinu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. He's present. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. See, and here's the thing that's significant to understand when David is the Lord is my shepherd. So that word is is active. Its meaning it's 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 happening right now. So when 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 David is saying the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying Jehovah Jireh is my shepherd, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace is my peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals is healing me. Jehovah Tiskenu, the Lord our righteousness is allowing me to live in a right way towards him. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. He is present and he is with me. Jehovah Nisi, that the Lord is my banner, my place of victory. So when he is saying the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying all of this who encompasses Who God is, is my shepherd. Is anybody getting that today? Because what that is a reminder of is that there is nothing that you need that God does not have. If it's provision, he can provide it. If it's peace, you can get it. If it's healing, if it's available. If it's righteousness, it's there. If it's a reminder of his presence, he is Jehovah Shema. If you need to be reminded of the victory we have in Jesus, he's Jehovah Nisi. So he's saying the Lord is, and so because of that, it leads him to say this: "I shall not want," because I have everything I need. So when David says, "I shall not want," listen, he's not saying I shall not want because I'm satisfied. So we, you know, you go eat a great meal and it was really good and it was a lot of it, and you're like, "Man, that was a, you know, forty ounce steak. I'm good. That's a lot of steak, by the way. I'm satisfied." But you're going to become hungry again. You got to go find something else to satisfy you. So David is not saying, I shall not want because I'm satisfied. Instead, he is saying, I shall not want because I don't have a desire for anything else. In other words, he's saying this. It's much more than satisfaction. He is saying this, I'm fulfilled. That I'm fulfilled. And listen, when you make the Lord your shepherd, your life is more than satisfying, It's fulfilling. It almost depicts the difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness exists in a moment because the circumstances are well. Like, you know, you have kids. It's good because you let them watch the show that they wanted to watch or eat ice cream for dinner instead of the actual food. But if you said no, then they're not happy anymore, right? So, so he's saying, listen, I'm not satisfied, but I'm fulfilled. Someone who lived this well was the Apostle Paul. In, in Romans, in which he's writing these words, he says, uh, for Romans 14, 8, he says, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So Paul's like, yo, I'm good. You hear me? Like, I'm good. It don't matter what you do to me. I'm locked up. I'm in chains. You beat me, all that, whatever. I'm good. Amen. You know how to determine who your shepherd is? It's by determining what gives you fulfillment. So where do you find fulfillment? then I would say that is where, that's who your shepherd is. So then we got to do some self-analysis and look back and say, okay, who really is my shepherd? So who is your shepherd? Here's the next observation. Who is leading you? He says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we can go back to verse 2. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's some reasons why sheep wouldn't lie down. They wouldn't lie down because they were hungry. And I understand that. If I'm hungry, I can't go to bed yet. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. So they wouldn't lie down if they were hungry. If they had parasites under their wool, they wouldn't lie down. If they were afraid or fearful, they wouldn't lie down. Or if they had friction with other sheep in the flock, they wouldn't lie down. Because sheep are, uh, you know, they're herd animals. They're, they're social. And so when there's some friction, when there's some disagreement, they can't, they can't lie down. And so what the shepherd obviously would do, he would provide for them in all of these ways so that they could lie down. So the shepherd would set the stage so that they could Lie down. And in the same way, when we submit our lives to the Lord, when he, we allow Him to lead us, He provides for us. Those things that suck the life out of us like a parasite, He removes those things from us. That He brings peace to us in a sound mind when there's fear. And then when we uh, allow humility to rise up and pride to die in us, we can be in community and unity with the people that we're living life with. Are y'all tracking with me? Amen. Then it goes on to say, he leads me beside still waters. Now, this is important. So sheep, they, they can swim, but they're not great swimmers, mainly because of the wool that they have. So if they were alongside a fast body, a fast-moving body of water, and they fell in, well, guess what's going to happen? That wool's going to get soaked It's gonna become heavy. They're not gonna swim and ultimately, or be able to swim, and ultimately, they're drowned. So, when the shepherd leads them beside still waters, oftentimes the shepherd would dam up a fast moving body of water so that the water would slow down, so then that the sheep could drink without fear of falling in. So, that's why the shepherd would lead them beside still waters so that they could feel the peace and the security. To safely drink from the water. And here's what I'm getting at. How many of us are drowning because we aren't allowing the shepherd to lead us? How many of us are drowning because we're saying, I'm gonna do this my way? That I'm a big boy, I'm a big girl, I can figure this out on my own, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got myself here, I did it, I got it out the mud, I climbed up here, and I can do this on my own. With all respect, I'll ask you this question, how is that working out for you? Because we are sheep. I know we don't like that comparison, but we need to be led, we need to be dependent. Some of us say, well, I don't need Christianity. I don't need this faith. I don't don't need Jesus. I can do this on my own. But listen, that's not who we are. That's not how we've been created. Do you know following Jesus is not about independency, but it's about dependency? And the Bible uses different illustrations to depict this. We are called what? Sons and daughters who are dependent on our father. We are called clay. The potter's got to mold the clay. And we're also called sheep. My sheep hear my voice, right? So we're not, I know culture says independent and independence and do this your way and figure this out. But we are meant to be dependent. Here's another thing. (laughs) Let me stop. Let me do this. Do we have that video? Check out this video. I'm going to show you why sheep need leading. Check this out. Yes, right? So it's clear. We, we, a lot of us are like that. Lord, if you just do this. I promise I'm not going to find myself back in there. And then what happened? We get out of there and we find. Well, see, what I meant was I had about two more times in me before I finally would learn my lesson. Again, that's why we're meant to be dependent. One thing about sheep, they have poor depth perception. So it causes them to obviously have very difficulty in picking out the details of seeing that same ditch that you just got out of is the same one you're about to run back into. But a lot of us are like that. Like, How many of you guys know that it's often the details of life that will easily trip us up? And see, details can be that dripping faucet that doesn't seem like much, but if left unchecked for too long, can turn a drop to a puddle. But here's the shepherd to lead us and listen. He's not leading us to a place that will harm us but instead to a place that will refresh our soul. Right. Listen, how many of you guys you feel tired? You're worn out. Oftentimes that comes when you've spent your life moving upstream instead of allowing the shepherd to lead you beside still waters. Now sometimes let me say this Being led by Jesus can feel like a path of destruction. But listen, it's not a path of destruction, but it's a path of construction. So what's happening is he's taking things off of you that you don't need, and he's putting things on you that you do need. And so in reality, it's a path of transformation. That he's transforming you. And sometimes it feels a little weird when you've been so used to walking around with fear to see that fear come off. Sometimes it feels a little weird when you've been walking around with shame and you feel that shame come off of you. But it's not destruction. The Lord is developing you and has you through this process of becoming God has called you to become. He wants to lead you on a path of righteousness, or in other words, right living. See, when Jesus leads your life, you live in right standing with God. It's him bringing us back to the place before sin crept in, where he will walk with man in the cool of the day. And let me say this, although you can't see what's next, your shepherd can. And that's why we need to allow him to lead us. And here's the next observation. Who is your foundation? Verse 4, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that word shadow right there is defined as an imitation of something. In other words, something appearing to be something that it's not. So we can see this uh, in, in Peter. So when Peter was walking on water, the Bible tells us that when he saw the wind, he began to sink. But here's, here's the problem with that. You can't see wind, right? Amen. Any atmospheric engineer folks in here, right? You can't, you can't see wind, as far as I understand, Right? You can feel the effects of it, but you can't see it. But Scripture says, when he saw the wind, he began to sink. But you can't see wind. So Peter, here's what I'm getting at. Peter, he sunk because of a shadow. He sunk because of an imagined danger. Here's what I'm getting at, family. There's a pandemic of fear right now. And that right now, it's been happening for the last number of years, that is sweeping the world. I mean, everywhere you look, there is fear. In the news, there's fear. In conversation, there's fear. On social media, there's fear. And do you know why? Because fear will get you going, but good news will not. Okay, we live. We live right here in North Alabama, right? I know. I know this is hurricane season, but you get around the spring. Like, yo, they gonna like the news. But hey, you might want to pay attention to today's weather pattern. Y'all remember 2011? Y'all remember those tornadoes? And so what happened? You pay attention. You, you check in, you know, W-A-F-F, W-H-N-T, wait, like, you, you own all of them. But if the report is, man, it's 75 and sunny, you're not going to all, right? Fear strikes an emotion. Right. And the enemy knows this. And fear will cause us to freeze. I mean, even you open up social media and you can see, like, oh, man, there's, they're saying that, carjackings have increased. Well, probably not. It's probably the same amount of carjackings that have always happened. You just made a mistake and for like half a second watched it on your phone, and now the algorithm's like, oh, they want to see more carjackings. So you're seeing it more, and now you think they're happening more. So you're like, Lord, I can't go to the store now. They might get my car. (laughs) No, it's just the algorithm. But it's being pushed by fear. Everything is about fear. And here's what fear is. It's nothing more than false evidence appearing real, or in other words, a shadow. So the question is, how do you overcome this? Well, what fixes a shadow? As soon as there is light, a shadow is gone. Right? The way to fix a shadow is light. As soon as there's light, the shadow is gone. And what is light? We'll look at Psalm 118 and verse 105. It says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a what? A light to my path. So the word is a light. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay. Well, what is the word? Let's go to John one14 Y'all track with me. John 1.14, it says, and the word, see, word is capitalized. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, who's that depicting? Who's that pointing to? John, the writer of John, the gospel of John, that's pointing to Jesus. So, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So, let's, so let's, let's, let's review. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, who is the word? The word is Jesus. So we fix the light with Jesus. Look at Matthew, excuse me, we fix the shadow with Jesus. Look at Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone then who, this is Jesus talking, everyone then who hears these words of mine And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying, the word is saying, whoever hears these words of mine. And then verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is the foundation that we need to build our lives on. So when there is fear, when there's a shadow, when there's imagined danger, we need to allow the light who is Jesus to shine in our lives. Are y'all tracking with me? I don't know. I don't know if you are. So I wanted to do this today. So we got, you know, the foundation. That's, you know, the stage I'm standing on. And so I got this plank. So it's, it's. Um, on the foundation so I can walk on it. This is testing my balance. So I can walk on it. I can do all this cool stuff. That's awesome. Let's see. I can get right here. I can pause a little bit. How y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Y'all good? Awesome. The guests are like, is this always like this? It's your first time. You know, I can, I can just hang out here. I can hang out here. Deborah, how's it going? Y'all good? Cool, y'all good? Awesome. Awesome. Good to see y'all. You know, you kind of just take your time. You know, uh, let's see. Can I, can I, can I, spend, oh, watch out. Watch out. Can I, can I, can I get back? I can, I can get back. I can do all these things. Look at, oh, watch out, watch out, watch out. That was kind of cool. Now, Solomon, easy. Can I get some help? Anticipation's building, guys. Uh oh. All right. I need those stairs, Richard. I need those stairs. All right, so here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to actually do this, guys. (laughs) But here's what I'm getting at. As long as this two-by-four was on the floor... It was on the foundation. So although there was difficult things of trying to walk in a straight line, although it's living life, it's raising your kids, it's trying to figure out your health, trying to figure out your marriage, trying to figure out all the things you got to figure out in life, you could do it. Why? Because this was on the foundation. It was connected to the foundation. The proximity to the foundation was there. But the moment it was elevated and there was separation from the foundation, that thing became difficult. And what happened? Fear came in, doubt came in, worry came in because you were separated from the foundation. Family, we've got to stay connected to the foundation. The foundation is the Word of God. It's the person of Jesus. And although you may walk through difficult things and difficult moments, you can accomplish it because you are living close to the foundation. Are you tracking with me this morning? We've got to stay close to the foundation. It's a proximity situation. We got to stay in proximity. And that's why I love what James says. He reminds us what the Lord says as you draw close to me, that I'll draw close to you. And so that staff that the shepherd would carry was oftentimes used to get us back in proximity. So don't avoid the staff, but be close to the shepherd to be pulled back in. And I gotta hurry up. Who are you sitting with? This is the next observation. It says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. See, when it says prepare a table before me, David doesn't mean a literal table as in a piece of furniture. Because see, a table here is simply just means something that's spread out. So, in flat places in hilly country, uh, tables, those flat areas were referred to as tables. So there's all kind of hills everywhere. And where there was a flat area, that area was referred to as a table. And so sometimes the shepherd would stop the flock at these tables and allow them to eat and rest uh, as they headed for the fold. So as they lay down and rested, the shepherd would also be in position to protect them from any wild animals. So what is that telling us today? It's telling us this, that even in the middle of trouble, you can be provided for. So all those, although there's all kind of trouble, uh, yeah, maybe the news headlines for once, maybe they're right. Maybe you got that report back that you didn't like. Maybe there was an unexpected financial situation. But what is this reminding us of? That even in the middle of trouble, you can be provided for. Know this: God doesn't have to remove us from our trouble in order to provide for us. He says, "Even in the presence of my enemies." And enemies is not your coworker. Enemies are the things of life that come up and try to disrupt. That's what y'all thought. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl, begin on my nerves. I'ma eat regardless. Like, no, no. I mean, yes, but no. Right? No. He is saying in the situations of life that will try to come up, that, the, that the, our adversary will throw at us, the Lord is saying, I don't have to remove you from that to be able to provide for you because I'm Jehovah-Jireh and my provision will meet you right where you are. And know this, the existence of enemies do not supersede the presence of Jesus. Right? It's not bigger than him that even though, you are dealing with what you are dealing, and you're facing with what you are facing, that the Lord will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And here's the last observation. Matthew, come on, help me land this plane. Here's the last observation. Who are you dwelling with? Verse six: "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell." in the house of the Lord forever. You know David, he wrote this uh, psalm from a place of reflection. He was king at the moment that he wrote this psalm and I thought it was interesting uh, that as king that he would go back to when he was a shepherd. You know, a shepherd was nothing, you know, that was sought after. Nobody was like, yo, I'm trying to be a shepherd, and I grow up. But yet as king, he would reflect at this part and moment of his life. So he wrote this at a point of reflection. And if you know anything about David, he had a storied life. You know, as I just mentioned, he was a shepherd. And eventually he was anointed to become king. But even when the moment came, Uh, For the prophet Samuel to anoint him, and all his brothers were there. Samuel didn't even anticipate that David would be one. He was overlooked. Not only was he overlooked by Samuel, but he was overlooked uh, by his father, Jesse. He's like, Well, it's the other one that's out in the field. And some of us, you may feel like that. Like, you know, you may feel like you've been overlooked. You may feel like you've been discounted. You may feel like you know, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm late to something. But here's a lesson in that, that although people may get to places before you, it does not mean that what God has for you won't happen. So sometimes we'll rush our process. Oh, I got to do this because if they do that, then I'm going to miss it. Well, all his other brothers were lined up before him, but that didn't stop the plan of God for his life. So he's anointed king, and now he's serving He goes back to the sheep. He's anointed. How many of us can handle that? How many of us can handle, like, yo, you're going to get this promotion, but I don't know when it's going to happen. You're going to go back like, well, shoot, I ain't going to work as hard until they go ahead and increase, send me that SF50. I need to get that thing done. Y'all ain't know I knew what that was, did you? but he had to go back to being a shepherd and then serve Saul who was king only to have Saul lose his mind and now the king that he's trying to serve is actually now trying to kill him then ultimately the moment came where no one in Saul's army could take or wanted to take Goliath so here David is a shepherd boy standing before this giant and slaying him ultimately david would become king but even in his kingship there were lots there were lots of issues whether it was him out looking down and seeing bathsheba bathing interesting name and calling her up sleeping with her she's pregnant Sends her husband, has her husband out, like, yo, come home, sleep with her, so he can, like, do this whole thing. So you're talking about the Bible's, like, boring, like, you're just not reading it. There's so much craziness in it. He refuses, goes back out on the front line. His plan doesn't work. So this is David. He does that. Or even his sons, one of his boys, trying to overthrow him off the throne. So much for David to reflect on. But despite all that David had experienced, he got to this point, and he looked back, and through it all, he saw this, that goodness and mercy had followed him. And despite everything, what he wanted was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Family, I think there are many of us, in fact, I know this. And there are many of us in here. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what your journey looks like. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. But right now, if you just close your eyes and look, you can agree in your own life that God's goodness and his mercy has followed you. That his grace has kept you. That his grace has protected you. And the reason that you are here, the reason that you're alive, the reason that you're not dead, the reason that you're not locked up, the reason why you are not in the worst position or situation that you could be in is because of his goodness and his mercy. And So David was say, I just want to dwell in his house. I want his presence. Can I tell you, for all of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, that's the same thing that the Lord wants. He wants for us to be in his presence. It's why he would do what he did in sending his son Jesus, where because of sin that came into the garden, the relationship we had was lost and was broken. And because we are sheep, we couldn't live the life that we needed to live, so we needed a good shepherd, Jesus, to come to lead us safely back to the Father and live in right relationship with Him. And here's how this is available. By simply putting your faith in Jesus. By you, by us, making a commitment to say, I'm no no longer going to live my life with everything else as my shepherd. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. It's allowing Him to lead us. It's allowing Him to be our foundation. And it's this desire that I want to dwell with him. And so I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I'm going to give an invitation that if that's you, maybe this is the rededication or maybe this is the new commitment that you say, listen, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and allow him to be the shepherd over my life. Come on, let's pray.